0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, This is actually, it's not really a series we're doing, Be Our Guest. It's actually one message that got away from me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so uh, we had to divide it in two. And when you see it, I know what's in the hearts of a lot of people right now. So we're going to get it out of the way. Wasn't planning on doing this, but in the first service I heard people humming. So I'll get us started, and you finish it. B R. Yes, B R. Yes. That's good. We're good. We're done. You're done. Uh, there. It's all out of our system. Uh, but we are talking, not just about serving. We're talking about Christian hospitality. Uh, I read a book this week called Unreasonable Hospitality by the owner of one of the uh, top restaurants in the world. And he says serving is bringing the right food to the right person at the right time. That's serving. Hospitality is how they feel during that process. And I love what Dan Cathy, when he took Chick-fil-A over, the Lord's Chicken, from his father, Truett Cathy, after Truett passed away... Uh, Dan one time told me, I thought this was so perfect. He said, uh, we get our word restaurant from the French word that means to restore. And when you go to a good meal with family and friends, you should be restored 70% in your heart, 30% in your stomach, unless you're a teenager. He said, then that's flipped. But he said, (laughs) we want people leaving Chick-fil-A restored. And I love hearing that because that's, that's our desire here at Willen Hills Family Church, for every guest that walks on this campus week in and week out, but then also when people interact with us throughout the week, that they know they matter to God and they matter to us. That's the feeling they get, and that goes beyond serving to hospitality. And you know we're in a time right now where customer service has been struggling a little bit. Since the pandemic, a lot of people are short-staffed. And uh, I've been loving the signs that I've been seeing. Signs are getting creative. But what these restaurants are now doing is they're putting signs up to tell all of us how to treat their staff. Why? Because we're failing. We're not doing a good job. And the signs, I don't know if you've seen over the years, they're getting a little more aggressive. Uh, this This is one I asked Stephanie and Savannah to take a picture. This is our McDonald's here in town. Let's be kind to each other. Okay? We treat our team members like family. We encourage you to do the same. But then they get better. I love what Duncan put up. Uh, we are short staffed today. Please be patient. If you run out of patience, ask for an application. <laughs> Some of you are looking for a job. We got them. They're everywhere. But this one I think will work. This isn't a sign from Branson, but I'm looking forward to the first restaurant that displays this sign they're going for anybody. We're now hiring guitar player. Must have cooking, bartending, and serving skills. <laughs> we'll take anybody that's breathing. We just got to get people in here. And so we, we've we seen this a lot. Like, th- this has been a struggle over the last few years. Uh, just And just I mean, with TikTok and all that and all the hostility that people are getting the gotcha moments at restaurants and all that of people not behaving well. And I saw this online interaction, and I was like, Ouch! I should probably share it with the congregation. Uh, this guy said, "I once went to lunch with a pastor to think about joining his church. His treatment of the waitress was all I needed to see. No chance." I don't know if people realize how much weight many of us place on this indicator. A lady responded to that with, "Ooh, this is harsh." I waited tables for just shy of 22 years in four different states. Everyone hated waiting on the church crowd. And I look around the room at the waiters. I don't even have to ask, raise your hand if you're a waiter or a waitress, because they were the ones right now just going. Is that true of us? Oh, I hate that. A guy then said, one time I asked our local baristas, who their worst customer was, they all named the same person, a local pastor. This isn't a Branson Post. This was from somewhere (laughs) in the country. And when I asked why was this person the worst, they simply said entitled. And as we talk about Christian hospitality this week and next, as we prepare for the summer, as we welcome people uh, to our church There's a couple of criticisms, and I don't know, they may be cliche, but there's a few criticisms that I think we need to wrestle with, and I think Christian hospitality has a good answer to both. And the first one, you've heard it, Christians are hypocrites. They say one thing and they do another. They preach one thing and they live another. Here's their orthodoxy, what they believe, and here is their orthopraxy, how they live it out. What we're talking about the next couple of weeks fixes all of that, right? Because hospitality walks the talk with strangers and guests. It says, this is what we say we believe, and I want you to see we're going to practice it. But here's another criticism that the church can receive. Christians are clicky. I got there and I didn't fit in. Actually, when I showed up, it was pretty obvious they didn't want me there. We want every person that walks on this campus week in and week out to go, when they get here, they want me here. When they leave, I matter to God and I matter to them. We're dealing with this loneliness epidemic in our country. You've heard it. It's all over the news. But hospitality is a much-needed solution to that. Inviting someone that maybe is different than you, someone that's challenging, someone that we love to use the term around here, EGR, Extra Grace Required. You have neighbors like this. You have coworkers like this. You meet strangers like this. And, and no one, and you know just, you're like, it takes 30 seconds to figure out this is a polarizing person. Well, we want to talk about how you and I live out the very heart of God when it comes to caring for those that are not like us. Showing Christian hospitality to those that are not like us. And we're going to jump right in. We're going to look at four observations today from the Scripture about hospitality as we grow in our understanding of this, but more importantly, that we put into practice. We want to practice this in our church and in our homes and in our lives. Number one, hospitality welcomes the marginalized. God's heart is for the marginalized in our community. And it should be our heart as well. Jesus says this in Luke 14, 12 through 14, Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, do not turn to your spouse right now and go, we're done inviting your parents. Uh, I've got words of Jesus on this. (laughs) Stick with it. That's not the context. Or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. Now, a lot of times when we think hospitality, we think about having a nice meal, being restored, being healed uh, with family and friends. Christian hospitality goes deeper. Christian hospitality goes farther with this idea of welcoming and caring for the generous reception of people who don't look like us, they don't talk like us, let's add it in Woodland Hills Family Church, they don't vote like us, that we welcome them. Jesus says this in verse 13, But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind... When you think about hospitality and caring for others and hosting a meal, think about those who never get invited to a meal. You know, this is the heart of God. I, I was reading this week in Leviticus, and I just, I love this text because it shows God's heart for, for his people. And he, he commands his people in Leviticus, hey, when you go to pick grapes, don't pick them all. Leave some on the vine. When grapes fall to the ground, don't touch those. Let those stay. Why? Those are for the poor and the foreigner traveling through your land. Those are for for people who are going to need those on their journey. I want you to know this is God's heart, and this is why Jesus is saying, open up your arms for those who are not getting the invitation in other places. May that always be true of our church. He says, if you do this, he says, you will be blessed, although they cannot repay you. They're not going to pick up the check at the next meal. You, you pick up the check. But look at this. Jesus says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I turned the, the notes in for the message Friday morning. I've told you for years the Lord has to be done speaking around noon on Friday because <laughs> Katie needs to get it all loaded in. and uh, I turned the notes in. I'm talking 20, maybe 30 minutes later, I got news that Pastor Timothy Keller went to be with the Lord. And if you know, uh, he has been one who's had great impact in my life and ministry. I quote him often from here, and I know Timothy Keller will be quoted until the Lord returns. Uh, And I I, I just remembered this quote from him. I didn't have him planned to share. But on this idea of the marginalized and out of Luke, he says this, biblical hospitality goes far deeper than merely entertaining your friends and family at your home. The heart of Jesus is what he's talking about here. In the Bible, hospitality is proactively seeking to welcome the marginalized, okay? So we welcome the marginalized. We want them to to come. We want to invite them. We want to welcome them. But look at what he says here, proactively seeking. Having eyes that see those that are not getting the invitation. Let that always be the heart of this church, inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Max Lucado uh, has this great line. He says, long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. Now, I know some of you are uh, dealing with neighbors maybe, and I hope my neighbor's not here to hear this. But uh, And it's precious. I think this person, But we have a neighbor that just has a, a dog too big for her. This dog's too big for her and... Uh, when the dog gets worked up and out of control, like we'll be walking our dogs, and you know how dogs are with each other. Uh, our dogs aren't, listen, we don't have perfect dogs, all right? I'm just gonna, not gonna be bragging about how awesome I am with my dogs up here. Uh, so our dogs are, can get out of control, uh, but her dog goes absolutely crazy, and her response when her dog gets out of control is to just take the leash and go, because it's going to knock her over. And so we have to pick up our dogs like we're making a sacrifice unto the Lord and have to hold the dogs up so the dogs don't get attacked. And, and I'm just saying, a lot of times when we think about our neighbors and we think about the challenges and the difficulties, we're like, you know what, I need to, I need to build a, a taller fence. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with fences. Fences are boundaries. We all need our space, and we need to let neighbors know, hey, I don't want to be with you every minute of every day. Uh, I get boundaries, but when it comes to the church and when it comes to the follower of Jesus, I love what one pastor said some time ago. He said, maybe it's time we start building longer tables rather than taller fences. And may the table at Woodland Hills continue to grow and grow large. And I know that, that what we're talking about is challenging. We're going to get to it. It's like, what do you do when it's challenging? And what do you do when it's difficult and awkward Max Licato says something holy happens around a table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the backs of heads around the table. You see the expressions on faces. In the the auditorium, one person speaks around the table. Everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock around the table. There is time to talk. And we want to invite all of you to consider what's your role, not just here on campus, although that's part of it. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, how are you doing with opening your doors, growing your table to those who can never repay you? And some of you are like, I don't have a home. I, I, I Ted, I, I live in an apartment, small. I don't have a place to entertain. And a lot of times we can start coming up with all the excuses why I do not have to offer generous hospitality. That's why I felt this week to show you a picture of my grandma's house. I wanted to bring this from Naperville, Illinois she 's the house on the left uh, simple home. I always love to tell people, paid her mortgage off like fifty years before she sold it. Uh, but I mean simple home I, I, my, one of my favorite stories of my grandma is she got she always parked up here by the garage and went in the side door and she got out one day and noticed that the door jam was broken and someone had broken in the back door, calls the police, brings them over and my grandma, very hospitable woman. Uh, Police are having coffee. They're doing the report. They get to the part in the report where they're like Mary Jane What was stolen and my grandma looks around and she's like uh Oh They stole nothing Why my grandma had nothing worth stealing (laughs) Nothing I always picture two criminals standing in her kitchen. I told you we picked the wrong house (laughs) Why didn't we go next door? They got the goods over there. My grandma was so embarrassed. There was nothing of value worth taking, and yet I can tell you on this block, this was the most hospitable woman on Jackson Street in Naperville, Illinois. You'll notice the front porch where she spent most of her time flagging down neighbors. This guy, you know, and I think this is a nice house, but, you know, he doesn't have a front porch because he's on the back porch smoking a cigarette trying to figure out how he's going to make the mortgage payment. But... (laughs) I don't care if you live in the house on the right, the house on the left, or you have no house, Christian hospitality is for you. The generous reception of strangers, the generous reception of foreigners, the generous reception of the marginalized, that's on you and that is on me. I think, every time I see this proverb, I think of my grandma, grandma Proverbs fifteen seventeen: better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. We're not talking about extravagant. And expensive. We're talking about what do people feel when they are with you? When you're serving people, what are they feeling? Number two, hospitality opens the door to every nation, tribe, and tongue. If a church is doing Christian hospitality well, it should be a diverse church. Something as a pastor I've been praying for... For years now, Lord, make this not just a multi-generational church, but a multicultural church. What can we do to open our doors wider to every nation, tribe, and tongue? Max Licato says, and I think he speaks so well of hospitality, and I love his words. He says, it's no accident that hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result, healing. We want people leaving here each week restored and healed. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message. You matter to God and you matter to me. You may think you're saying, come over for a visit, but what your guest hears is, I am worth the effort. I am worth your time. Watch this. Consider the genius of God's plan. The first generation of Christians was a tinderbox of contrasting cultures and backgrounds. At least 15 different nationalities heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Jews stood next to Gentiles. Women worshipped with men. Slaves and masters alike sought after Christ. Can people of such varied backgrounds and cultures get along with each other? And the answer is yes. We wonder the same thing today. Can Hispanics live in peace with Anglos? Can a Christian family carry on a civil friendship with a Muslim couple down the street? Can divergent people get along? And the answer is yes. The early church did. Without the aid of sanctuaries, church buildings, clergy, or seminaries, they did so through the clearest of messages, the cross of Jesus Christ, and through the simplest of tools, the home. And that's why I love in Acts 2 46, we read that all of these nationalities, all of these different people gathering, forming the very first church, what we would call the first century church. The Bible says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It's why it's a criticism of our church. I'll never fully understand. They have too much fun there together. I just don't know what the opposite is. They really don't like each other. Would you like to go with me this Sunday? They don't really get along. There's a lot of division and anger toward one another, and they don't enjoy one another, and I'd love for you to be a guest with me this week. No. That you would leave here, and that you and I would leave here, and I have some Christian brothers and sisters in this church right now that that are in this service that I just think about, the times that I leave their presence where I feel restored and healed. The heart of this message and next week is that Every one of you would experience that, and every single one of you would be giving that, would be offering that to those who step on this campus, in your home, at your table, at a restaurant. That we would be a church with glad and sincere hearts. Number three, hospitality does not play favorites, does not play favorites. So we're talking about the marginalized. We're talking about every nation, tribe, and tongue. And in James, we now get into the socioeconomic side of this a little bit more. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2 of James, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, or you sit on the floor by my feet, and here's the question, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And the answer is yes. I need you to know, and I know some of you are in Christian ministry, and you, and you run uh, even nonprofits in our town, and you do donor development, and you have donor meals and all that. I get that you do all that. We don't do that at the church. In the church, we don't do that. I don't know how much people give because I'm not going to show favor to them. There have been times people who said, I need you to meet so-and-so because so-and-so has this, and you're going to want to know this, and, it's gonna be, and you're going to want to make sure. And I'll be like, we actually have a verse for that. And the verse tells me not to do it. The verse tells me don't escort the guy who just sold his business down to the front while you're neglecting the poor in the back. Hey, let's all have eyes for this find the one impoverished that walks in here this week and next week and go engage go invite to lunch find someone who will never be able to repay you and show them hospitality the church will never be one to show favoritism and to play favorites so this is a little wordy but stick with me i didn't have time to edit we don't treat those that think they're big deals like big deals, because we believe every person that walks on this campus is a big deal, no matter their background, no matter their bank account. That is key for us. Amy and I, years ago, when our kids were small, went to a restaurant in uh, Springfield, And the restaurant no longer exists. I could have told you the night we went there. It wasn't going to last long. Ah. Uh, and I hate it. I do. I feel like a food critic sometimes, and I, I, I think I should be a food blogger because I love food, and some of you are like, really? Uh, <laughs> I enjoy food. And, and I can just tell, like, like, it's how people feel. You've been to the restaurant. I don't care if we're talking. I mean, Cracker Barrel has some incredible servers. There's fine dining with good servers. You've been there. Where, like, You walk out, and you're like, I think I just made a friend. I don't know for sure, but I think the waitress is coming to Thanksgiving. That's how that just happened. <laughs> You've experienced that. I've experienced that. We went to this restaurant, and it was packed. It was a newer restaurant, and they just weren't ready. They weren't ready. Our kids were small, and we were in a booth, and and we ordered our food, and 30 minutes goes by, there's no food. Uh, Carson ends up, he was small time, ends up falling asleep in the booth. So I asked the waitress, hey, can you get his food to go? No problem. An hour goes by, we don't have our food. I go, can we actually all get our food to go? We got to get home. We live in Branson, and... uh, Still no food. We ended up getting the food and the check about an hour and a half after ordering. <gasps> Look at people like, oh, Ted, did you wither away? Yes. <laughs> Barely made it out of the restaurant standing. No, I was fine. But you know what made it painful? This was the painful part. In the middle of the restaurant, I don't know who said this was a good idea, they had a VIP table. And the VIP table, it must have been like, Big shots from Springfield and all that, but as we were sitting there waiting for food and nobody was getting food in the restaurant because they were doting on the VIP table. And can I? I just I wish I could have videoed this. We weren't you know doing gotcha moments in restaurants yet. Uh, TikTok hadn't even happened that yet at this point I think. But the the whole staff would come out with these VIP courses every five to seven minutes for the VIP table, and it would go by and we'd all be like, oh, oh. And then they lay it down, and you can just see it around the restaurant. That's what, that's what made it worse. As we left, I go, Amy, they won't last long if there's a few people that are VIPs and the rest are nobodies. And I think the same is true of a church. If a church becomes a clique and there's a few key people that are cool and in the, and the, I just love, there's some people right now. I know you got church hurt because right now I'm watching people go, Let, let there never be a VIP table at Woodland Hills Family Church. Why? Because every single one of you in here today, you matter to God and you matter to us. Period. Now, there are some of you wanting to give examples of how you didn't feel special when you walked into Woodland Hills Family Church, or how someone didn't say hi to you at just the right time, in just the right moment, or you sat down and no one came over and engaged you. Look, I'm just, I'm, you can tell, I mean, I've been worked up this week about this last part, when we talk hospitality, and everybody in here, in the, raise your hand if you're in hospitality in Branson, Missouri. Let me just see your hands. Okay, you're gonna be able to say Amen. To this hospitality can be awkward, messy, and exhausting. Amen. Nobody say <laughs> says the Treasure Lake section right down here. Hey, and I always I do comedy every summer at Treasure Lake, and I go. It's my only time. I I just love doing uh, Treasure Lake at an RV park. But you got all these RV owners They get hospitality down here. They understand it. And you get the, the frustration and the exhaustion and the trying to meet the needs of people. And I just I say this so we all understand. We're never going to be perfect at this, but no, it's our heart. And we're going after it every week. We're going after it every week. Scripture says in First Peter 4, 8 and 9, and I love this above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. If it just stopped right there, that'd be one thing. But look what it says. Without grumbling. You know why? Because when you offer hospitality to one another, there's going to be people that get entitled. Who come to expect it. And when they don't get it, you know what grumbling is. It's complaining under your breath. And boy, do we have the perfect example of this at Woodland Hills Family Church. For years, this was our coffee cup size at Woodland Hills Family. Oh, Hush. Don't run ahead of the illustration. I want to remind everybody, this was our coffee cup size for the free coffee you receive on Sunday morning. 2020 hits. It happened. And I, 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 Sonny does a phenomenal job running all of our hospitality ministries. Let's hear it for Sonny. She does a phenomenal job. Let's hear it for our hospitality team. So... This was our cup forever, and then we were at staff meeting one day, and Sunday goes, hey, we're having supply chain issues. And I laughed. I'm like, that's just news. Conspiracy. All right. But it was true. Like, she couldn't get that cup anymore. And so we switched to this size here, and we heard about it. We, You entitled, ungrateful church members. Now... Some of you were joking, and we appreciate that. Some, like the first week, we had the smaller cup. A guy grabs it and like, "What kind of ripoff church is this?" <laughs> we know you were joking, but there were some of you serious. And I go, Sonny, I hate that you had to put up with that. What's your solution? She goes, "I got a new cup size for the complainers." <laughs> You know, Starbucks has a tall, a grande, a venti, and a trenta. We now have a new size called the Grumbler. Let's hear it for the Grumbler. Anybody grumbles, you're getting the Grumbler, all right? Listen, there's one thing we need as we show hospitality to one another, gratefulness. When you get your coffee next week... Like, they're going to be overwhelmed. I hope somebody's not here today that's serving in coffee next week, and they're like overwhelmed. What happened? Why are these people, what's in the coffee? (laughs) It's just hospitality because it goes both ways. And you just walk up, and you grab your cup. You ain't even getting that one anymore. You grab your cup, (laughs) and you say thank you, if you want to add, for my free coffee. Thank you very much. Just honoring people. Okay, children's ministry. Oh, Uh, I love, so on September 7th, my friend Johnny W. is going to be back doing date night comedy. And I love, Johnny W. and his wife, been married for over 20 years. They don't have kids, but they serve in their church nursery. And you see he's done comedy off of this, but it's sincere. They serve, it's not just a joke. He truly is passionate about serving in the church nursery. And he's like taking ownership of it. Like and he tells people like he, he's real serious, almost militant in the nursery about you know you get your you drop off your child you get a receipt and you don't get your child back but you better see that receipt and he tells him you don't bring me the receipt all the best I can do is give you store credit. He said I can give you a child of equal or lesser value, but other than that I can't do anything. And you know what you think? Like, well, it's just a cup of coffee. This is, serving is. Pouring the coffee and handing it through the window. Hospitality is how I made you feel when I did that. Dropping your child off with someone and then receiving your child for the morning at Critter Street or Wildwoods, that's serving. But how you felt in the process, that's hospitality. Johnny says they were getting the nursery painted and the children's wing painted and everybody was putting verses on the wall. And I mean, this is how much ownership Johnny takes over it. He goes, I want to pick the verse for the nursery and you don't let a comedian pick verses for the nursery <laughs> because in the children's wing they put train up a child in the way he shall go it's perfect but johnny said to his pastor i want to put in the nursery first corinthians fifteen fifty one: we will not all sleep but we will all be changed Receiving a child. How about home groups? Kathy Jensen, I, I hope some of you connect. Listen, we need leaders for home groups. And, and here's what happens in home groups all the time. I want to be gentle with this. This comes from the heart of a pastor who loves you. But when home groups get awkward, messy, and exhausting, people bail. We need, we need less bailing and more engaging. And I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about just some of the people who serve so faithfully in our church that I just wonder, if they were to quit their ministry every time it was awkward, messy, and exhausting, we'd have nobody serving at Woodland Hills Family Church. I wouldn't be here. If every time it got awkward, uncomfortable, messy, and and so when you get into those moments, say what Pastor Mark Batterson says, awkward is awesome. It's awesome. Sounds like that Legos uh, song. Everything is awesome. Uh, But next time you have an extra grace required person in your group or out to a meal with the person, just be saying in your head, Amy and I, anytime we're at dinner or lunchtime, we're hitting each other under the table like this and, and in rhythm going, everything is awesome. <laughs> Awkward is awesome. We don't bail. We lean in. We lean in. And some of you are like, well, I got to call Kathy to get this situation taken care of. We want you to be a leader engage show christian hospitality even when it is awkward and messy serve offer it without grumbling it's good to tell people here's as we close it's good to tell people that they matter to god i know a lot of churches are doing that today but we want to be a church that shows it when you leave here today let's see what's the time we're at 11 o'clock so we are beyond brunch we're moving into lunch how many of you are going out to eat after this service right here let me just see your hands man what an opportunity here we go off to the race as we go. Don't just say you matter to God. I was with a gentleman yesterday on the radio, uh, 106.3. Kevin was talking about how he used to serve, and he said, let me just tell you, those little tracks that look like a $100 bill that people like to give, you know, he goes, I've never met a server that likes them. You know, and people, because it's kind of bait and switch, like, oh, yeah, you thought you were getting 100 Psych, You're getting something even better. Let's not do the bait and switch with the gospel. Let's treat people well as we share the gospel. Let's show them. Let our orthodoxy, what we believe, match our orthopraxy. And let people, don't just tell them they matter to God and God has a plan for their life. Show them by the way you treat them. And that's why every week when you walk on this campus, hopefully, excellence in our environment, what you see in all the people. I hope you see people have been here all week picking weeds and painting. We had an accident with a golf cart last night. Somebody was here late fixing a door and... and. uh, just all sorts of stuff went into the environment for today. The experience, Katie and team and so many have been laboring over it because we want that to our guests when they walk on campus to go, they want me here. When you leave today, we want you to know you matter to God and you matter to us. How do you do this? Some of you are going to get into a restaurant and it's like, well, this is what the waiter's job is, Is what the waitress's job is. They're here to serve me. But what, what if we all leave here today and engage with people in the hospitality industry with this attitude right here? There you are, not here I am. As simple as make eye contact. I've tried to teach this to my kids forever. It's like when the, the server shows up to the table, put the phone down, put the menu down, and all of us go, boom, lock eyes, ask questions. Not encouraging anybody to be annoying or obnoxious, but just have a, oh, there you are. And then it's as simple as, yes, I'm leaving a tip. I'm not going to be that church crowd that so many servers can't stand. I'm going to be one that says thank you, tips, receives the hospitality. And next week when we gather, we're going to focus on the guest. We're going to talk to the guest. Right now we've been talking this morning to our church family what hospitality is, what it looks like, the heart of God behind it. But as I was preparing this week, can't you appreciate this? An old Baptist hymn popped into my head. And I love when a Baptist hymn pops into my head and I don't have to look up the lyrics. Can't you believe that 40 years later, I still have these hymns word for word? And there's some Baptists in here right now going, Oh, this can't be a better way to end a message than what you're about to do right now. I don't even know what it is, but I am ready for it. And you can sing it, but I'm just gonna say it. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude, and thank you, Baptist, for putting this into your hymnal, turn the water into wine. <laughs> to the hungry calleth now, come and dine. And that was Kent serenading you with that <laughs> hymn. And that is the invitation that will always be at this church. To those of you who've never placed faith in Jesus, the day today is come and dine. You're welcome here. With the message of the cross and the tool of the table and at our church on Sunday, coffee, whatever it is, offered. we're getting ready to go into summer. And you know summer around here means bomb pops and, and all the different treats. And I said, you've seen that meme that says, you haven't lived a childhood until you eat sherbet out of a toilet paper uh, roll. <laughs> I hope to have those as well. We want to offer those to our guests. (laughs) Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for a church that can leave with glad and sincere hearts uh, because of you, because of our walk with you, and because of our desire to, to not just teach people about you, but to show people the way to you, that they would see it in our actions and in our behaviors. May restaurants have a completely different tone and feel today as we step out of this place. I pray for every server that's in here right now, every restaurant owner, everyone in the hospitality industry who's exhausted and summer hasn't even started yet, uh, that they would walk out, you know, that they would do their job as unto the Lord, do their work as unto the Lord, that they would offer this as a discipline, as a practice of their faith. Thank you for all you continue to do here. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Amen.